Welcome. This is Talking Joy, creating joy, inner peace, and authentic connections. My name is Pam Rotelli-Robertson, and I am founder of lifestyle brand Talking Joy. As a certified spiritual director, I have been leading groups with the power of words, the strength of positivity, and the gift of joy. During our time together, our focus will be on simple spiritual practices that can be applied to your everyday life with the wisdom and support of others. Talking Joy talks to help you realize your value. I am so glad you're here. Simple, joyful, fun. Let's get talking. Hey, everybody. I'm Kelly Commisher, and I have the privilege of serving Unique as the CEO, and I am joined today by two really special friends. One, Dave Rhodes. Hey, guys. Dave Rhodes is the co-founder of Unique, Um, and my dear, sweet friend, a longtime friend, Pam Robertson. Hi, Pam. Pam and I met one another um, in 2001 when my husband was called to serve uh, a church in Summit, New Jersey, where Pam and her family attended, and we have been fast friends then. Uh, and I have owe Pam so much in my own spiritual journey. Um, and it when you were thinking about how can we talk about and support ways of looking at our calling during disruption, I immediately thought of my friend uh, Pam and the value that she could bring. So we're excited to host a conversation with her today um, and uh, the conversation around spiritual practices that help us to navigate disruption. So glad you could all join us today. Uh, we're, we're here to do that. And for those of you who are following along on our bigger journey that we're on together, we're talking about a framework here at Unique going from frantic, right? So we want to get out of the frantic space and kind of work a framework. And the framework we're working started with an adjustment period. We moved out of that. So what is it that we want to use this time to invest in? We've been talking about that for several weeks. And our third phase, which we're kind of starting to touch in on now, right, is, is okay, so how do we re-engage? What is, what is re-engagement going to look like? Um, as the shelter in place uh, starts to ease up a bit. That's going to look like we still don't know. Um, but so we are here in that investment stage, looking at uh, how we want to develop our rhythms and live out our call as we head towards um, in re-engagement uh, with, with the world. Um, so that is where this, is, this conversation is, is taking place. All right. So Pam, um, I would love you to um, let me introduce you a little bit, and then I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about your practice. Um, and then we have we have a couple questions for you. And then everybody else, there's a chat here in Zoom. And we would love for, this is a dialogue. We want to ask you to ask your questions and to share your practices or things that have been working for you or where your heart is today. This is meant to be a dialogue, so please, um, Feel free to use that chat. So, um, so Pam Robertson is a um, certified spiritual director. So she earned her master's in theology at Drew University and has been practicing spiritual direction in Northeast for many years now. What's most important about Pam, you need to know, is that she has the spiritual gift of hospitality. When we first moved there, um, she taught me how to be a mom. Uh, she was just a, a little bit ahead of me on the journey. When Danica was born, my, my oldest, her, her third child, Mimi, was also born. And so she shepherded me into um, 
like spiritually shepherd me into this whole process of giving self um, and being present in moments that are hard to be present in sometimes. Uh, we we pulled, pulled our little girls around in a little red wagon all through Summit, New Jersey, talking about deep questions of faith and calling um, and the best snacks for toddlers. That's what we, we talked about. Um, so now today she serves as a spiritual director to people um, in the Northeast in New York City. And um, I couldn't be more excited to have you here. So Pam, welcome. And tell us a little about what you're experiencing right now in terms of the questions people are asking you and, and how you are responding to those. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me, and uh, thanks for the nice in introduction. Um, it's hard to believe how many years ago that was already that we were dragging that red wagon around. Um, but I also learned a lot from you, too, and you inspired me, both you and your husband, um, to go on the journey that I've been on. And uh, it was in a small group that you had started um, at our church that I was a part of, that, that when you left um, and moved on to your next call that I took over. And and then went back to school. Um, so it's been a great journey. And um, a spiritual director is somebody who um, is a companion to someone else on their spiritual journey. You know, I think that um, that uh, you, our relationship with God is very personal to each and every one of us. And we all um, uh, relate in different ways. And, and so one of the things that I do is help people to find ways that resonate and things that work for them. So I offer all sorts of variety of spiritual practices to people. And then I have them try them on just like you would go shopping, um, you know, buy the first thing that you see, you try on different things and, and you figure what resonates for you. Um, and so I think that people are just, um, at least in the Northeast, you know, I'm, we live 20 miles outside of New York City. And I think that, um, that a lot of the people are, uh, you know, really feel that disruption of going from their everyday lives to being at home, um, some alone. I have some clients that are alone and I have some that are, you know, running like I feel like a small bed and breakfast out of my home with four kids and a husband and, and uh, you know, we're, we're, we're making it work. But um, so I think that um, it is the perfect time because we're sort of in this great big pause to really, um, you know, assess what was working in my life before and what wasn't because I felt like a complete slowdown and, and I felt a little bit, and I've talked about this a little bit on a podcast I taped with my uh, team last week, um, a little bit of relief. I don't know if that resonates with anyone, but having everything stop, it just, you know, I didn't feel, I didn't realize how much I was running around to. Um, and so there was this little bit of a sense of relief. And to me, that's that calling to, to a little more stillness in my life. So I think it's the perfect time to get spiritual. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so um, I think that that's what a lot of people are, are asking really about is, is how do I transition into this new phase and this new way of being. Um, and my biggest piece of advice has been don't resist it. Because I think when we resist things that we can make ourselves miserable, but when we give into it and say, oh, well, this is the new way of being and how can I be the best of me in this, then I think that there's much more of an ease um, to to your life again. That's good. Yeah, feel free to ask questions, guys. I'm gonna ask a couple more and hopefully I'll see your questions. So I know a couple of people on the call here personally, and they have college students. You have a college graduate, a college 
uh, and that are all of a sudden back home. Mm -hmm. And then you have two who are in high school still at your homes. So you're talking about your bed and breakfast. How are, how are you um, shepherding people who are all of a sudden finding children back at home, living at home again, who don't want to be there? They wish they were back at school, horribly disappointing. And just kind of managing that grief and then also just like the family system again. Yeah. And see, and I think that anything in life is a teachable moment. And, you know, yes, there are disappointments in life. I've been disappointed over, you know, over my lifetime, as I'm sure many of you have. And, um, you know, I have a son who, who's a track star and, and, uh, you know, he had this whole season coming up and as a junior in college and was excited about and, you know, and all that has changed. But the thing that I've noticed with my own kids, um, is the adaptability to sort of like, oh, okay, well, this is how we're doing it for now. There's been some resistance, but I think that the work that the kids are having is actually giving them structure to their days. So the weather here, we keep waiting for it to get nice in the Northeast. Um, it's been chilly. I'm in the mountains and we've had, we've had snow a couple of nights, you know, it melts quickly the next day, but it's been cold and rainy. And so I think once the weather gets nice, we can get outside. Um, my kids fish a lot. So they've been, they've been in, out in nature. Um, and I think that, you know, at least for me, and I think my kids are finding this too, is that nature is in complete contrast with the news. That everything when you go outside is as it should be. You know, we have a, a, a great horned owl that has a nest in the woods across the street from the house that one of the kids found. And we've watched that come to life. And so it's still, everything in nature is still happening. I go down to the stream a lot myself. I run down there in the morning and I pray. The water's still going by. You know, the birds are out. Everybody's gathering. Like it's still alive and awake. So I feel so in touch with life when I can remove myself. So I encourage people to, if they can, where they live, to get outside and uh, to get into nature. And I have found that with my kids has been real healing. And also I find that they've really been adaptable. Like I haven't felt that too much resistance. Sure, there's disappointment and the un and there's a lot of unknown um, and you ha just have to keep the conversations open about it. We communicate a lot. We have big family dinners every night at the at our inn, <laughs> our bed <and> breakfast dinner. <laughs> and we, we communicate a lot. We talk about a lot of those feelings. And I think that that's an important thing too, to acknowledge them and then to talk it through and, and what, what's, you know, what's really yeah. bothering you and that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. It's been, it's been so nice here that, uh, it's sometimes some of those days, it's like, if you didn't know something was wrong, you wouldn't know anything was wrong. Uh, which yeah. I think is just a great metaphor for the way we live our lives most of the time, yeah. uh, in regard to things that are underneath the surface that we're not, not dealing with. Um, but, uh, one question I'd have for you, Pam, is that as coaches, I know Kelly and I have been dealing with people and with leaders, and uh, we've had to kind of carry a posture of both um, a pastor and a pioneer, meaning the be present with people now in their pain and how mm -hmm. do you deal with that? And then pioneer, don't get trapped in your pain, look beyond it, create the future. I'd love from a spiritual director uh, yeah. posture, you know, how do you manage both of those things as you're helping people? And then just as people are living their life out, how, how do we live in both of those tensions? Yeah. So I, there is a lot of grief and people are grieving 
um, the old way of life, the grieving, the, there's loss of people. That is really important and um, to honor that and to grieve the grieving, you know, grief steps. And I would highly recommend finding a spiritual director or, or a companion um, at your church or someone to walk with you in, in that pain. But then I would also say, um, you know, I, I declared on New Year's that this was going to be the year of Pam. And my kids like rolled their eyes and laughed at me. And, and I said, no, I'm not kidding. I said, because it's so important for me, you know, I always say to be selfish and I don't mean that from a standpoint of like gathering things and things like that. But if I don't take care of my own spiritual life, my own connection with God, my own relationship, um, then I don't have anything to pour out for others. So if I'm a leader and you're talking to other leaders, I would tell them to be selfish right now. These are tough times. What fills your cup? What works for you already? And then I take whatever practices that work for me. Um, uh, you know, I get up early in the morning and I have a special chair and, and I, it's turned towards the window and I have, you know, all of my spiritual books and a Bible and all those things are important to me right around me. And I spend time there and it fills my cup. But in times like this, I might go back to that chair a couple times a day, as many times as I need it, or I'll do other things. So I always say ramp up what you're already doing or add layers to things that you're doing. Um, if you're going out into nature and you're taking a contemplative walk, then, then pray while you're there. Or if you're out for a run, stop in the woods by somewhere beautiful and give thanks. And so all of those things fill my tank up so that then I can be a better um, uh, you know, leader for others. I have more to pour out for others. Um, there's this great story. I, I don't know all of it, but it's about a water bearer you know, was carrying two jugs down to the stream every day. And one of them, one of the pots was all cracked and it felt bad for itself that it wasn't, you know, doing its full potential, bringing the water back to the house. And, and the water bearer finally said to the cracked jug, you know, your, your imperfections actually are feeding. If you look back at the path, you've been watering flowers are only on the side where I carry your jug back and forth. And so we, we sometimes think that our flaws and our brokenness is, um, is uh, you know, not helpful to others when I think that it's exactly the opposite. You know, I take a lot of what I've learned in my life and use it as a, you know, I said, this is all such a teachable moment. It's new for all of us. And so what can I take and learn from the experiences I'm having now as a leader to then share with others and give them hope. And that is by putting myself first, I think, and really taking care of my own spirit so that I can be a better, a better leader. Um, and I find that way, even in my own house, like I set the tone in my house, you know, mm -hmm. my kids, I want them to feel right now safe and loved because out there. And when I turn the TV on, I'm not feeling very safe. And so I limit what I watch. I'm informed, but I'm not obsessed. And then I am um, able to just bring that calmness and peaceness into my house. And then I can also, as a leader, do that for others if I'm only if I'm feeling that way. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm. That's good. Does that yeah. help? <laughs> well, no, I think I think I, Dave and I were working on something earlier today, and we looked at each other and we said, "Where do these days go?" Because there's kind of a sense that like Jenna's like, yeah, like we're like, we're like sheltered in place. And you think you have all, but like we're exhausted. I mean, we were just talking, right, as everybody was about to come on the call, we're like, oh my gosh, we're almost there. You can almost feel like we're like clawing for Friday at five. And so it is a good word that like we 
have to care well for our own souls mm. um, and not simply uh, respond to all the needs and the pressures that are that are very real. They're, yeah. they're, they're out. And I'm always very careful too about what I say yes to. Because if I say yes to doing a lot of things for others when I'm not completely feeling whole, then it depletes me. So when I say yes to something, I'm saying no to something for myself. So I'm very careful about that. And I think that a lot of the growth in the spiritual life for me, for me personally happens in the pause. It's when I can just slow it down just enough to really take something in and think it over for a second and not just you know, say yes for, for my ego or because, you know, even this doing this today is one of the first things that I've done since the, since everything started for us. Um, and I said, yes, because it resonated with me, but people have asked me to do small groups and all sorts of things. And when it first happened, I couldn't find my own feet. I was kind of found myself in fear and sort of like reeling in the first week. And then I thought, whoa, wait a minute, Pam, you know, you, you're equipped for this. And that's the beauty about the spiritual life is because I spend so much time caring for that relationship with God is that I know how to get there quickly, or I know how to get back there when I go off the path and how to bring myself back. And that's what spiritual practices do. They bring me back. And so when I was feeling kind of, you know, where I didn't, couldn't find my footing that first week, and I was reeling off into this fearful place of the unknown, I kind of, you know, ramped things up and, and got myself settled and say yes to anything. It's very careful about that. So if you're finding that you're exhausted, I would say, well, why are you exhausted? Tell me a little bit more about that. You know, what are you doing that's, mm -hmm. that's making you feel like that? And so I check in with myself a lot. How, how am I feeling in my body? Um, mm -hmm. And then I, I also practice like affirming and denying forces a lot. So if I'm trying to do something and I keep hitting denying forces, where which I which I think are like closed doors, and then I keep pressing because I want it and I want it to happen, and I keep pressing. Um, I have to pull. I pull myself back and say, "Wait a minute, where are the affirming?" Because I think God's the affirming part, and where God wants to lead me. And so when I keep go, trying to push against this denying force, um, I end up feeling exhausted and tired, and like, well, where did all the time go? instead of really doing things that I feel called to do, that I want to do, that I know that I'm good at, and that I know that my gifts will be affirmed and used versus pushing towards something that, that I think that I want. So I, I lead my life a lot like that. And I, and I check in with how, how's that feeling in my body. A lot of times things hit us as a body sensation long before they hit here. Um, so if, if, you know, something happens in the middle of the night and you have a kid who wakes up with a fever. We don't want that. You want to sleep in the middle of the night. That's a denying force. You're like, oh no, not tonight. You know, I need sleep. I have this big meeting tomorrow or whatever it is. Instead of thinking, okay, well, it is what it is, what it is. I'm going to face it. It's temporary. And, you know, I'll get back to my life when I can, but this is where I'm needed right now. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Pam, it's great to get to know you a little bit. Uh, Kelly's told me a lot, a lot about you, um, just in our times together, and so it's great to put a face to all those things that she's been sharing. And you're already touching on this, but I just want to follow up a little bit on it because you're already talking about health a little bit. I think it might be helpful to just kind of get a picture. What does healthy look like in a time like this? What does healthy look like in general? And then what's healthy look like in a, in a time like this? I know you're already touching on that, but almost just want to 
follow up with that question directly based on some things that you've been saying today. Now, can you say a little bit more about what you mean by healthy? Are you talking physically or are you talking emotionally or just the whole all, all package? That, yeah. yeah, the whole package. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, I, I being mindful about what your body needs, what does your spirit need? Um, and really knowing yourself and knowing when, like I said, things come at me in a body sensation, when I'm feeling off, it's in that pause again. I'm like, well, what's, what's going, what's really going on here? What's, what's irritating me? What's bothering me? Um, and then, you know, uh, I have a, my oldest work was working in New York city, um, and commuting every day and is now working from home and working a full day. I don't know what she's doing, but <laughs> you know, she's lucky and, you know, eight in the morning until, until like seven o'clock at night. And she has little breaks here and there. And she walked up to me the other day and she was like, Oh my gosh, I just feel like I'm going to go out of my mind. I'm just, and I said, go walk around the block. And she was like, I don't know. And I said, just go walk around the block. She came back. She was like a new person. And I call that like a reset. So when I'm feeling like, oh, I, if I can get out into nature, if I can just get out of what, where I'm stuck, we get stuck you know? And then if I can do a reset or check in with my body or get exercise, eat the right things. Um, Kelly had said, you know, where do the days go? We should have structure to our days. We should get dressed. You should put your jeans on. Um, you know, I'm dressed from all the way down to my shoes. You know, some people are wearing like loungewear and I, trust me, I've worn my fair share of it, but don't you feel better when you're cleaned up and you um, so I think taking care of your physical appearance, taking care that um, you're getting exercise, that you're eating the right things. Again, it's like that filling your own cup up before you can pour out for others. You know, I have nothing in the tank if I don't do all of those things first. So I, that's one of my number one rules um, and that is that has worked for me and, and I feel like worked for the people that that, uh, that are in my groups and um, is to really, especially moms, you know, young moms are always like, you know, Kelly and I were there together. It's, it's a wild, long <laughs> time in your life that goes fast. I mean, that's the only way I can describe it. But um, again, finding those ways to um, get a release from, from, from your, uh, you know, your, the stresses that you're having, or especially the news. I mean, how many of you are watching the news all day long? It's in the background. And so I'm very careful about the energy that I bring into my house really pay attention to that. Be, you know, I said it before, be informed, but not obsessed. And you can watch for 10 minutes and know what's going on in the world real fast. And a lot was changing in the beginning very fast. And now it seems like there's sort of like the news isn't too, too, too different. Um, you know, at least, at least where, where we are, you know, you get the, the little notifications and things like that. Turn off those notifications. Don't get the CNN alerts where, you know, because what happens when you get those? It incites that this panicky feeling. You're like, oh gosh, what happened now? What happened now? And uh, again, I'm very careful about what I bring into into my immediate world in that way. So, taking care again of the of the whole person, and then my prayer life. I mean, you know, that that statement, you know, pray without ceasing. You know, we all know that. We've all heard that. Um, and what does that mean? Um, I can carry prayer into my life at all times. Um, I, I practice the breath prayer very often. Um, and I, uh, I say to myself on the in-breath that I am the beloved child of God. 
I breathe that in and it goes from here and it lands right about here. How often do we say something so beautiful to ourselves? And so I've said that for so long that when I take a deep breath in now, I just hear that. And it's so comforting and so beautiful. And it is such a reminder of my belovedness. It immediately brings me back to my relationship and presence with God. Um, you know, fear takes us off into the future to some unknown made up, you know, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen next week or next year. But I know that right now that my relationship with God is in the present moment. And so that breath prayer constantly brings me back. And it's a practice. You know, I, I often joke around that, you know, if you put all your Lululemon exercise clothes on and you go to the gym and you walk in and you look at all of the machines and you say, oh, that's a nice one. And oh, that, oh, that looks like it might be fun. And then you walk out. No, you got to stay. You got to do the work. And guess what? You got to go back again and again and again to see change in your body. And it's the same thing with spiritual practices. In order for myself to get to that place where I can connect with God in the immediate I need to practice it over and over again. And so that breath prayer was one of the easiest things that I've, that I've done that just brings me right back to it. And it's so simple. Um, I think a lot of people make it very complicated and I think the spiritual life can be very simple. Um, and I often um, recommend that people layer these practices onto something that they're already doing. Um, it's really hard to start something new. So if you've never meditated and I told you to go sit in the corner for a half an hour, you'd fail in like three seconds, you know, or maybe 30 seconds. You'd be like, oh, my back and your mind would start to wander. I'd say maybe do it for, for half a minute. And so you layer on over time, you build up on these things. Um, and so it's a practice, it's a practice, it's a practice. And if it's important to you, then, you know, you'll make time for it. Um, and it could be as simple as every time you reach for the coffee pot, you say, oh, I'm going to go to sit in my special chair with the coffee for five minutes and, and just check in with myself. And then the next day you stay for six minutes and then seven. And then it becomes like, oh, my, it's like your body remembers. There's this self-remembering. I go back and my body says, oh, this is a place that's sacred. This is where I go to find peace in my life. And over time, you can go back and back, and then it becomes a practice. And then I layer something else onto it. Um, so, sorry, I, I go off on my preaching. <laughs> no, okay. Um, I, Gina, I'll get to your question in just a second. I wanted to invite Merit, um, Meredith, <laughs> Pam, to tell her story. So, Pam helped her daughter um, create something that's called Meredith's Jars of Joy, but there's a beautiful story behind it. Would you uh, be willing to tell everyone? Because it, it, it also came out of a season of this kind of disruption, turmoil kind of thing, and something really beautiful came out of it that everybody can practice. So you just share yeah. that story behind it and then... Yeah. Well, I think that I've always been drawn to um, to words and especially inspirational quotes because I think that wise words from great thinkers um, have the power to shift our perspective. They can take a situation that I'm in and it nothing has changed except for the way that I see it. So it shifts me into having new eyes for the same situation and then I'm able to move forward. A lot of times we get stuck. And so my oldest daughter, Meredith, um, when she was transitioning from middle school to high school was going through a rough patch. And um, 
I had been giving out quotes on slips of paper for, for years and like my meetings and things like that. And so I put a big bowl of inspirational quotes on slips of paper on her dresser. And I said, I want you to read one of these when you get up every morning. And she just kind of rolled her eyes at me and, and that was the end of it. Um, but I went back in her room, you know, weeks later, a month later and um, to put laundry away. And I saw these little slips of paper were taped up on her bedroom walls. And I was like, oh, awesome, you know, it worked, you know, but I didn't want to bother about it. I just kind of let it go. And what I didn't know is that she was carrying her favorites to school in the back of her cell phone case. And some kid at school one day said, why is your cell phone case so bulky? And she was like, and he opens it and out fall these little yellow slips of paper. And she was like, oh, my mom makes me read these. And, you know, she was all embarrassed. And and the kid said, no, you know, I think that's really cool. He said, I said, could you bring me some? I, I could use that too. And so then it was, it was born and we, uh, she, she approached me about it and, um, we decided to, uh, she started selling them at school. We decided to put them in these containers and this was all years ago and we still have a, we have a company and we sell them and they, they've made it all the way around the world, which is really neat. It's something that happened in the privacy of our home, um, you know, has affected so many kids and, uh, you know, the, the quotes, it doesn't matter if you're 18 or you're 98, the words somehow resonate with, with, uh, with everyone. So, um, but the beauty that, of, that I loved and the thing that came out of this story is that Meredith was offered an invitation and we all often are. Today was an invitation to come here, to sit down and listen, to take time out of your day. There was an invitation and you said yes. And it's in the invitation that we're handed and whether we say yes or no to it um, is where the transformation happens. And so Meredith was able to look back later and see that when she went through a really difficult time, number one, she's equipped now going forward when she goes through a difficult time because she knows she can get through it again. And it's the same for all of you. You've walked through difficulties before in your life, maybe not anything quite like this one, but you know you've made it this far. And what were the ways that got you there? And so she was able to look back at that, but she was also to look back, able to look back and say, wow, because I went through a really difficult time, I was able to help other people. I was able to help myself. And so it gave her so much confidence um, that it really, it was a huge um, learning for her and also a big maturity. I saw a huge maturity in her. And so she still loves, you can follow her on Instagram. She's on Instagram every day doing all kinds of like, inspirational talks. And I don't even know how to do half the stuff that she does. But, um, but so it, it changed her life. And it's a, it, a little slip of paper. And so that's how simple the spiritual life is, is it can be just some wise words that you tape up that, you know, you know, before you get out of bed every morning that you, you know, before your heat, feet hit the ground that, you know, you say, you say, you know, Lord, thank you for another day that I'm still here. And how can you, you know, how, please use me. I often ask that just use me in whatever ways that, I, that are needed. And so you could have something like that on your bedside table and it shifts and sets the tone for your whole entire day. And I think that that's what the quotes did for Meredith. It shifted her thinking and set the tone for her life in a whole different way, in a much more positive way, that she realized that everything she needed was already here. And then that from the perspective of what you're talking about in terms of training, we were talking about this with this conversation earlier today about the spiritual life is like, stop trying, start training. Stop trying 
start training. And you know, you're like, well, you can't start 30 minutes a day in a, in a meditative practice because you won't do it. Some people might look at a devotional life and think of reading a, a book or a, spending a lot of time in a devotional life is like too overwhelming, but you can start with a verse of scripture on a sleep piece of paper. And I know one of your jars is all Psalms, you know, yeah. and you can start with one, you know, yep. one piece yep. and allow that to just bathe you for the day. Let that resonate with you, roll around with you all day long and see how God's going to speak to you through that one thing. And then you can use it as a training practice to build towards. Um, yes. And it's, so it takes three seconds to read it. But then I often tell people, you know, when you're at the grocery store, well, we're not getting out quite like we were, but when you're going about your day in your house, <laughs> um, look for that word or phrase, see where else it comes up, because I feel like God uses and speaks to us through other people and through the things that we other things that we read. And so I'll say, oh, well, there's that word and phrase again, and they'll catch me and there's that pause. There's that pause again where I like slow it down just a little bit and, and kind of it, it brings me back to the psalm or to the quote or to whatever I was reading. Um, and so that's how I carry it through the day. I'm looking for it. It's almost like a treasure hunt because it it will appear. And I think that that one of the things, the beauty of, of being at home and being a little more quiet is that we, um, you know, I think Dave said something about being out in nature is is that you're seeing things that you didn't notice before. Mm -hmm. And because we've created space now, like a lot of the noise has, it's like the dial on the radio went down a little bit. And so you're, you're more apt to notice things now, I think more than ever. You know, people are, oh, I hear the birds all of a sudden and or the birds are back in places that they haven't been. And, um, and so that's where I look for those words um, throughout the day. Um, and another thing that, you know, change your language from I get to versus I have, you know, or from I have to do something. You know, I kind of went into this with my family and running the small inn here with the cooking and all the stuff that's going on. And um, it's been a lot. And I originally was resisting it. <laughs> and now I'm thinking, oh, I get to feed my family. There's still food available. Right. There's that scarcity feeling. I, I don't know about where everybody else lives, but, you know, the whole joke about the toilet paper, but it's not a joke. You really can't get any um, and toilet paper and things like that. So I, I'm kind of trying to think from that mentality of like I get to versus I have to do something, you know, for my family. So that's also another spiritual practice. It's all in that tweaking of that language and that perspective. And it can shift and turn um, and give me new eyes for seeing things. Good. So someone's asking a question about just what is a spiritual director in general and or um, the value. And so that, I'll, I'll tell my quick story. The first time I saw a spiritual director was right after seminary because I was completely disappointed that I left seminary without a sense of my call, <laughs> which is kind of funny given what I do today. Uh, but I just thought that was like the worst deliverable of a seminary ever that you would get through seminary. And um, I was really mad about it. So um a spiritual director is not a therapist, but someone who helps you to listen well with God. So sometimes a spiritual director comes alongside to listen with you. Sometimes a spiritual director comes alongside to ask you questions so that you can spend time going to the Lord. 
either more direct, more productively or more in a directed sort of way. There comes that director thing. Mm -hmm. So it's somebody who listens well and kind of helps you to connect with the Lord in a way that maybe you can't see for yourself. So yeah. mine is a really huge example because I couldn't see it. I was kind of mad about it, to be honest. And I was getting married to this guy who had this like, like super crystal clear understanding he was called to be a preacher so not only am i mad about it because i don't have my like a clear sense but i'm also even more mad at him because the person i'm about to marry does and that seems like wildly unfair so i'm, I'm sitting down with a spiritual director and um uh she's you know say tell your story and and i'm, I'm like well i can't i just when is God going to, you know, just knock me off of my horse and blind me and, and just tell me what my calling is. And, and she's like, what? Like, <laughs> like, you know, like, when is that moment? What that's, that's calling that I'm waiting for, like, I'm right here. Like I'm asking for it. How come God's not showing up for me? And she said, she literally, I'll never forget it. She just looked at me and said, who told you that? <laughs> that's a that's a good spiritual director question I ask people that all the time who told you that uh, it, like it hit me in the gut because I knew when she asked me that question that I had told that that's what I wanted yeah. but I layered onto that all sorts of nonsense well the bible told me that it's right there the church has told me that by holding up the calling of Paul as the you know, example of how everybody it learns, you know, their client. Those of you who've been through Unique with us know that it isn't simple. It is not simple to get down and naming it, but once you do, it's beautifully simple, right? But I I was so mad and she said, who told you that? And it just started me on a whole journey of appreciating how calling can be expressed through many different uh, jobs and relationships and things um, that when I walked into that relationship with the school instructor, um, I was not able to see and really didn't have on my spiritual radar how the Lord might uh, use my calling in very different ways through my life. So um, that for those of you who are like, what is the spiritual? So that that's what it can be is somebody yeah. who walks alongside you, asks deep questions, and helps you to connect more deeply with the Lord in listening well. And uh, like, it, so it, I would say that uh, you know, who told you that? <laughs> well, I would say that that was a zinger. That was a zinger question um, because it brought you right. It she honed right into. So I don't, I don't ever tell people what to do, but I ask really good questions so they can figure it out on their own. Um, and, but I think that a, a spirit, so I, I believe we grow best in two ways. Um, and I don't know if I learned this from Henry Nowen or maybe from some of his teaching, but I believe that we grow best in community and in solitude. And we need both, I think, to be whole. And um, small groups are great. Being part of a church community is great. But then I also need to get out into nature, into the woods and into my solitude, too. Um, I think that a spiritual companion is um, somebody who can help you connect or reconnect to your own inner nature. Um, and that we help people foster growth. I think she helped you, Kelly, foster growth that you couldn't achieve on your own in your own head. 
And so a companion can really walk the walk of faith with you and point out, you know, where they see God working in your life or, you know, where, where you're struggling and, and can really help, um, uh, help you grow in ways that you couldn't, but you couldn't on your own. And, um, I would highly recommend it. I actually have two. I have one that I see as like a supervisor that I go to for things that might bubble up when I'm in sessions with people. Um, and then I have just my own spiritual director and I have for years and it has been such a blessing, um, and really, um, has helped me, uh, with a lot of discernment, um, and, uh, decision-making in my life. And, and I think that, uh, Christian discernment is, um, is when I invite God into the decision-making and a, a spiritual companion can really help you with that. A lot of people get stuck on big decisions, you know, get to that fork in the road and you don't know which way to go. And I think that a companion can really help you, um, you know, navigate big struggles like that. Yeah. So yeah. I, uh, there's a uh, website called SDI world spiritual directors international, and, uh, you can go on there and look for a spiritual director. Um, I'm on there and, um, and it's just like anything I talked about shopping before shopping around different spiritual practices to see what resonate with you. And it's the same thing with a spiritual director. You may not hit on the perfect one the first time, you know, I would say do, and a lot of them are doing FaceTime. I'm doing FaceTime. I did FaceTime. I, I see people all over the country through FaceTime um, that aren't right in my immediate area. Um, and it, believe it or not, it's very intimate. I'm sure you're noticing that with Zoom. You think, oh, wow, I feel, really feel like I'm in the room with people. Um, so I would highly recommend shopping it around until you find one that seems like it's the right fit. Um, Good. Thanks. Yeah. What other questions do you all have or? I feel like Wendy had her hand up. Wendy, can you see Wendy? Hi, no. Wendy. No. Hi, ladies. No, I just love listening. Pam, you could just go on forever. I mentor to a group, or try to, to a group of young women, moms of, of toddlers, and I can just see how they are so exhausted. And so a lot of things you were saying about just that breath prayer and the five minutes back to whatever that place is and layering on. Um, if you don't mind, Kelly, I'm going to take this recording and send it to those, those young women. So it's been yeah. very helpful. Thank you. Well, I, uh, I work with young moms a lot. So, so that's, that's a special place for me. Um, so Kelly and I were talking about how when we were raising our kids and I'm still with those young moms somehow um, in small groups and uh it's, it's been very meaningful and a lot of them are really open to it. And a lot of them have transitioned from the work world to this like new life and, um, and you don't get a report card or, or an annual <laughs> sit down with your boss telling you how, how, well, how, how much of a great job you're doing. So um, I feel like that is such a needed community of, of women coming together. Our, uh, our moms, new moms, parenting little kids, it's a tough job. So meaningful work. Thank you. I feel like I saw another. Can you see these questions, Kelly? I'm watching the, uh, yes, I'm watching the chat room Any um, for good questions. Um, tell, tell people about the, um, we we're prepping for this. You we were talking about some different things. Um, yeah. Your feet on the floor and your bottom in a chair. Like what's the yeah. power of that? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so one of the practices that I learned in um, when I was in, I actually went to Drew University, um, the theological school there, but I also went to Moravian Seminary. 
Um, and when I was at Moravian, I had this great teacher, Marcella, um, who uh, taught us a lot of great things. And one of them that she always went back to was, um, where are your feet? And, um, and it's such a great question because they're only, they're right here, right now, and in, in this room, you know, right underneath me. And I, I use that as a, um, as a place of remembering to come back to the present moment. So we were talking a little bit about like, where's God in this? And God's always right here, right now. It's, it's sort of like in the Sistine Chapel, you know, the, the picture, you know, the famous, <laughs> you know, Adam is sort of being lazy and God is, is pointing out, like it's up to us to just take that little flick and connect. And the spiritual practices are ways that I can bring myself back. And so um, the where are my feet and kind of just feeling the sensation of my feet on the floor, even feeling the sensation, the warmth of like the blood pumping through them and taking a minute to, to take that in always brings me back. I'm connected to the earth you know, my feet, sometimes um, we were taught, you know, you know, think about your feet reaching, you know, to the energy from your body, you know, a couple inches down, 10 feet down, you know, et cetera, et cetera, to kind of really just ground me in the moment. And so often when I'm, when I'm doing workshops and things, I'll hand out a little picture of feet. <laughs> I love tangible things. So I have little tangible things all around my house. So I'll put that, where are your feet in the car? right? Maybe on the rear view mirror or near the gear shift. Um, I might put it, you know, somewhere that I usually just breeze right by and sort of as a, some, something to stop me to say, slow it down, Pam, slow it down, be at ease. So this Marcella that I was talking about always said that too, be at ease in your body, be at ease in your body. And so when I catch myself moving faster along, I can, I kind of pull myself back and say, be, be at ease, be at ease. You'll still get there. Um, a great um, uh, analogy for this is that when we're in the car, if I'm constantly looking in the rearview mirror, I'll crash, right? If I'm always looking up in the rearview mirror, and and if I'm one of those people that's just speeding by and just you're missing everything out the, out the sides of the windows. But have you ever gotten to a traffic light and somebody had passed you and spit, you get to the traffic light and you look over and there they are and you're like, oh, look, we got here at the same time anyway. I took the slow road, you took the fast road, but we all arrive. And so we all arrive at the same point, hopefully at the end of the day, you know, you back at your pillow, but how I got there from point A to point B makes all the difference. And so if I can find little signposts and little things to catch me during the day to slow it down, be in this moment, savor this. You know, if you think back about a happy moment that happened within the last week in your life, you were fully awake to it. You know, think back about something that really made you laugh or made you feel good. You were fully present in that moment. That's why you remember it. That's why it made you feel good. And so I try to find ways to 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 not miss things in my day. And so finding my feet is um, is is one of those great ones. And then um, yeah, practicing regular. Put a layer on that before you thought. So my spiritual yeah. director it wasn't feet up feet on the ground, but it was butt in the chair. Just if you mm. want to have another way to think about it. Yeah, yeah. You're sitting there most of the time having these direction um, engagements. And she's like, well, where's your butt, your butt right now? I'm like, it's in the chair. She goes, exactly. Yeah. 
that's where like that is where you are that is where the lord to your point that's where the lord is you know the disciples were always trying to do this to jesus well, what about this well, what about that or like shiny object and he was like jesus was very good at like, bringing them back into the moment like right this is this is where we are right now and abide in me be present because i am now i'm, I'm inviting with you let's just so whether it's feet <laughs> yours yours is nicer i think feet on the ground mine was but in the chair, but just to remember that is the moment you're given yeah. and, and God is fully present with you in it. Have to and it sounds them. and it sounds silly, but it's so that the part that I like, it's so simple that we could all go print a little thing of feet off the internet and on little pieces of paper, because you have plenty of time to do that right now. And so when you get back into your your old life or into this new way of being out into the world and you, life starts to pick up the pace again you're going to have these little footprints to remind you to like, oh, I'm going to call a pause right now. I'm just going to give thanks. I'm going to say a short prayer. I'm going to, you know, check in with myself. Um, And so uh, let me think of some of the other ones. Oh, one of my, one of my all-time favorite prayers is um, it's called the Jesus prayer, um, or it can be called um, uh, hands up, hands down. And so I'll take so we we carry around so much in our bodies, like all these emotions, and I think we need to get them out. Um, and a great way of doing that is journaling, running with exercise. Um, you know, I, I remember hearing a writer who um, who had been gone through some physical trauma, um, and she would write, and she said she could feel the actual emotions coming out down through her arm, out through her fingers, into the pen, and onto the page, and that's how she healed herself by getting it out of her body. Um, and so, um, uh, one of the ways that, um, that, that I do that is this prayer. And so I will take a minute and I take a deep breath in and I'll hold everything that I am carrying that, that maybe I wasn't never meant to carry in the first place, or that's just too much for me. And, you know, to all the grief that people are experiencing right now, it's just too much, Lord, you know, too, too much. much. And I feel the weight of that in my hands. And then when I'm ready, I take my hands and I turn them over. And kind of like raindrops, I picture them falling, dropping out of my hands. But here's the best part is that I'm not alone in this. And so. I picture the hands of Jesus, the hands of the sacred or whatever that is for you, catching all of that and not getting rid of it, but companioning you and holding and, and, and being in it with you. And so, you know, you're not alone. And, and so when things bubble back up, I go back, I, I, I release it and over and over again until I finally can, and things bubble up, you know, t- you know, my mom died, what, almost 30 years ago. And every once in a while, still catch me you know, like right here and things, you know, we carry them, you know, these emotions and I can still go back to that and I can invite God into it and I can say, be with me. Sort of like those footprints that you see on the beach, you know, that Jesus carrying the person. Um, And so I just feel like that's such a great and easy prayer because we can do that anywhere. You wake up in the middle of the night and you can't sleep. I do that or I take that, I am the beloved child of God. You know, there's so many ways that I can, how many of you are waking up at night, you know, with anxiety and yeah, and thinking about those things. And so I take some of these practices even into the middle of the night that um, another thing, it's not on my list. I think Kelly has a list that anybody wants of some of my suggestions, but there's a little tiny piece of skin right here in between. Can you see that? 
And when I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't sleep, a lot of our emotions, someone once told me, get stuck right here and we carry them. And if you massage, one hand might be a little tighter than the other. I mean, don't hurt yourself. But if you mm -hmm. massage this little area in your hand and breathe when you're doing it, there's, especially in the middle of the night, I think I did this one in the middle of the night last night because I actually dreamt that I woke up or I somehow missed our meeting today and it was three o'clock. <laughs> I had one of those, like you didn't do your paper. I don't know why I had that dream, but I'll have to think about that in prayer. But anyway, I kind of, to get back to sleep, I took, and there's something about it, just you'll feel it in your body. It just releases the, the tension for me. So a lot of times I do this exercise to release tension in my body. So just take that little, that little piece of skin and just gently massage it and go back and forth between the two. And then just a few deep breaths and I'm usually right back to sleep. So hopefully that'll help you people who can't sleep at night. Um, and then I, I think that there is so much good happening in the world right now. You know, the news tends to focus on so much of the numbers and, and, and that's all real and true and not to minimize that, but there's also so many moments of grace where I see God's work in the world. And I'm really taking that in. And, you know, when I hear those stories, I pray for that person. I give thanks for that person. And, um, and it makes me feel better. And I feel like I'm part of it. And so I, I really like, it's almost like you can play it like a game or you have kids or grandkids. You can do that. Is to like, well, where did you see grace today? Where did you see beauty today? Um, I used to ask my kids that when they were little. And I remember one of them said, oh, when I was up at the field today playing football after school, I saw this huge hawk landed in the tree and was like there for a long time, kind of watching us. That's and good. so now he knows he's, he's equipped with, he's going to be looking for things of beauty throughout his day. Like we, I didn't tell him to do that, but in that practice. Um, so there are ways that you can focus on what is good too as well as, as, as some of the other things that are going on. Um, I think and, Pam, oh, sorry. Pam has a list of these. We'll send it out to everybody yeah. who registered. She's got a couple, not only the practices that she works with her clients on, but also some resources that you might enjoy reading and things like that. Um, I wanted to show you real quick because this is like super, super stinking precious. This is um, our girls. These are our girls. There's Mimi and that's uh, Danica. And they, they first met when they were a day old. And this was uh, just in October, a few months ago, we got to have lunch together. Uh, so the friendship has been longstanding. Uh, look at them now. <laughs> wagon um so uh it's it's super sweet to share the journey um with you um i uh excited to um process with some of our friends here who have done our uh unique process on how you guys when we talk about your now rhythms this is what we're talking about we're practices that you commit to such that over time they become places in which you are more easily enabled to connect with the Lord and Savior and to uh, really deepen that relationship. Um, so there's lots of reasons to um, think about ways in which you can connect with God, but specifically in our process, we're, we're in that space of now rhythms where we're looking at what are the practices we want to put in place um, that will help us. So yeah, anybody else, else have a question or I would share. just I would just add to keep it simple. I mean, that's my my biggest advice is keep it simple. 
just layer on little little things um, and see the, the shift because that's where transformation happens. I'm Pam Rotelli-Robertson, and you have been listening to Talking Joy, talks that help you realize your value while creating authentic connections with others. For more information about our talk today or to get in touch, you can find us at talkingjoy.org. And to keep the encouragement going, you can also follow Talking Joy on Instagram and Facebook. Simple, joyful, fun. Thanks for listening. This is Talking Joy.